Thank you for joining us for this podcast from Abundant Life. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this word. Now, here's Pastor Scott. 1 John 3, 16, the Bible says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth of our let's show the truth by our actions. I want to talk to you tonight from a Bible study titled We Have to Love Each Other. Say love each other. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for each testimony that we've heard tonight, God, and even for those who rejoiced tonight that did not share openly but are thankful for the things that you're doing in their life. God, I thank you for all that you're doing in my life. I pray now that you'd strengthen me to say the things that you would have me to say. Teach us from your word tonight, God, is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. We have to love each other. I told you, the book of the month, 1 John, talks a lot about love, talks a lot about God's love for us, the love that we should have for him, and the love that we should have for each other. When Jesus was asked what's the most important commandment of all, he said the first one is that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second one is that you love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want you to check and think. Don't answer out loud, but are you not in your mind, not overall, not in an ideological way, not in an internal way, but outwardly this past, let's just say, week or month. Have you been spending time loving God? Okay, think about that. And then think, secondly, have you been spending time this past week, this past month, loving God's people? Now, it's not always easy to know who God's people are. And if you study the Scripture closely, there is a greater command on loving your brothers and sisters in Christ than it is on loving the non-believer. And that sounds kind of weird because it's not always easy to know who your brother and sister in Christ is and who the non-believer is. I can't take for granted that everybody in this room is truly born again, and I can't take for granted that everybody that I run into who I don't know is not born again. So we've got a command from God to love people in general. Can you agree with that? All right, let's look at these scriptures together, and we'll just go through them one by one, do a little Bible study. Put that first verse back on the screen for me, Deacon. We know, say we. When the Bible says we, the author that God chose to write this portion of the Bible was John. The Apostle John said we. When he includes himself, he's talking about Christians. He says, as Christians, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. This is the core of the Christian message, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We understand that God's greatest show of love to us was that he gave his son as the sacrifice for us so that we could have eternal life. Without the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, there is no salvation. There is no relationship with God. There's no forgiveness of sins. There's no access to uh, the Father. We know what real love looks like because God showed it. The, the same God who inspired John to say this in chapter 3, verse 16, inspired Paul to say in Romans 5, 8, that God showed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The ultimate show of love that God has given to us was to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. So we know what real, what real love is. That is the goal. That's the assumption. That's what should be. As Christians, we should know 
what real love is, but many times we act like we don't know what real love is. So let's think about this for a minute. Let's just slow it down in a Bible study way on a Sunday night and say real love is something we understand because we know that God gave Jesus, sent Jesus to give his life for us. So real love is giving because God gave Jesus. And this is showing us what real love is. So if you say you love God, but you're not giving anything to God, your love for God is not real. Now, we get to see some of the same people every week come up here and uh, lead us in praise and worship. They are giving their time. They're coming here on early on Sunday morning. They're coming here early on Sunday night. They're coming early on Wednesday night. They're coming to practice on Thursday night. They're working on their music throughout the week. They're giving their time. They're giving their talent. They're using what they have to bless God and bless God's people. It's a giving. Serving is a great way to show giving. Serving is a great way to show love. I've told you before that the Greek language is an expressive, picturesque language, and the Bible tells us that we should worship God, but worship is a lost word in the English language. We, we don't really talk about worship. We don't use that word a lot in common everyday speech, but the primary Greek word for worship in the New Testament is a word latreo, and the word latreo means to show love for someone by serving them. It's when you hold a door for your grandmother it, or, or any person that you're just trying to be kind for. It's, it's when you let someone go in line in front of you. It's when you, when you give someone something just to show them that you care. Service is love. And that's why books have been written and series have been preached that says, my service is my worship or my work for God is my worship. See, real love is a giving love. Real love is a love that prompts action. There's too many people sitting in churches today that if you ask them in their mind, they will tell you no doubt they love God. Oh, I love God for real. Well, what are you giving to God to show him your love? Hopefully, you give him some time during the week to read the Bible. Hopefully, you give him some time during the week to say your prayers. Hopefully, you give him some time during the week to sing to him in your bedroom, in your car. But if there is no giving, there is no loving. God's word says that we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we know what real love is. We talk a lot about inference at Abundant Life. If God says that there's a real love, then there must be a what? There's a fake love. And churches are overrun with fake love. Marriages are overrun with fake love. Friendships are overrun with fake love. The world is overrun with fake love. People who give lip service to this word love, but don't really do anything about it. And unless you're giving something to everyone you say you love, you need to admit that your love is false. And a hush fell over the crowd. Real love always gives. It always does. Kids, you want to know what love looks like? Look at your parents. You say, well, my parents don't do anything for me. If they put a roof over your head, if they let you eat food in their house, if they let you breathe their air conditioning, if they let you lay under the covers that they provided for you, they are giving you something. And that's what real love looks like. Real love looks like giving something. 
to somebody else. This is what the apostle John is telling us. We know what real love looks like because God is our example and real love is giving. But not only it says Jesus gave up his life for us, that giving up of his life was not easy. It was a sacrifice. It was painful. So we want to know what real love looks like. Real, looks lo- real love looks like a painful sacrifice. Uncle Ken could tell you about that. How long y'all been married? Sister Diane could probably tell you better. But 50, y'all just had just 50-year anniversary last week. We thank God for that. But I told y'all before, listen, don't get your theology from Bernie Mac, okay? Don't, don't get your theology from, from postcards and, and songs or even hymns because they're not always, even the old hymns aren't always theologically correct. But I, I just fell out one time. I was watching a movie. Don't write me if you hate it. I don't care. You watch what you watch. I'll watch what I watch. Let's see who gets to heaven. But that's funny right there. It was that movie where Ashton Kutcher was dating Bernie Mac's daughter. And Ashton's white and Bernie Mac's black and his daughter was black. And so, you know, they were playing off on that and it was funny. And um, Bernie goes off on Ashton in the movie and he says, oh, y'all make me sick. Y'all make me sick with all y'all's little mushy love and puppy love and young love. You don't know what love is, boy. I tell you what love is. Love is hell. Love is war. Love, love is, and, it, and he just went off. And I thought, Bernie Mac knows. <laughs> Bernie Mac knows. Love is not always easy. Puppy love is easy. Skyrockets in flight, afternoon delight. When all that dies off, you got to kick back and see, is there substance? Is there stability? Is there sacrificial giving? Is there a willingness to endure pain and stay in it? That's what real love is. The love that Jesus gave cost him something. It cost him pain. It cost him sacrifice. Not only was it giving, but it was giving in adversity without giving up. It was giving of himself in hard time without giving up. And this is what the apostle tells us the way we know what is a real love. Real love is a love that gives when it's hard. So a love that stops giving when it's hard is what kind of love? Say fake love. When it stops giving just because it's hard, it's a fake love. Why? Because real love gives when it's hard. Real love gives when it's sacrifice. Real love gives in adversity. And John tells us that we know what real love looks like because we know that Jesus gave up his life for us. He sacrificed for us. He, he, he stayed the course even under hardship. He goes on to say, so we, talking again to Christians, believers also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, so many people know John 3.16. Now, the same guy that got inspired to write John 3.16, God also inspired to write 1 John 3.16, the apostle John, the, the beloved disciple, the disciple that was close to Jesus. And John 3.16, they hold signs up at sporting events. They hold signs up at rallies. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's the most quoted verse probably in the whole Bible. Church folk know John 3.16, whether they understand it or not is one thing, but I don't think they even know at all. They definitely don't understand it. I don't even think they know 1 John 3.16. And this verse is as important as the other verse. 
You can't have one verse of the Bible that you think is real and the rest of them are fake. How are you going to determine? Either it's all real or it's not real. They all have the same weight. Listen to what this says. We Christians ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Oh, people love the fact, and I'm, I'm thankful that God gave up his life for us. I'm thankful that God sent Jesus to die for me. That's the, that's the easy part on me. Hallelujah, praise the Lamb. He did the work for me. All I have to do is accept it by faith, and I'm good. But there's, see, there's not a lot of requirement on John 3.16. That's why everybody loves that verse. It's about Jesus doing all the work. There's not a lot of requirement on us for Good Friday. There was a whole lot of work on Jesus for Good Friday. There's not a whole lot of requirement on us for becoming Christians. All we have to do is believe that Jesus uh, lived, died, was buried, and rose again. But 1 John 3.16 has some work. Say work. God expects us, if we have real love, to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Even the way that Jesus died for us, even the way that Jesus sacrificed through pain to show his love for us, God expects us to sacrifice through pain to show our love for each other. And listen, I'm telling you, based on the authority of the Word of God, based on what I believe as a pastor, and based on what Bernie Mac said in that movie, real love is painful, and real love involves staying there when it, when it hurts. And unless you are giving love, real love, sacrificially through pain, your love is fake. And unless you are willing to love God in the hard times, your love for God is fake. And unless you are willing to love people in the hard times, your love is fake. And let me tell you what, if your love turns out to be fake, you're not going to make heaven. Because if you say you love God and you really don't, everything else is lost from there. So we need to make sure that our love is real. We need to make sure that our love is giving, that our love is sacrificial, that it stays even through the hardship. What is God saying? Love people. Love people. Even the same way that Jesus gave his life for us, we ought to give our lives for our brothers and sisters. I thank God that we had a good report. Last time somebody, I don't know, did, did you move recently, Courtney? I, I did a lot of people showed up to help we I think we had a great turnout for that event um and I rejoiced in that Deacon Jimmy called me and he's like oh Pastor Scott it was awesome so many people showed up we got it knocked out just like that and that's a great report but people that have been around for a while like Deacon Cliff and others can tell you we've had work days when when three people showed up we've had work days when two people showed up we've had we've had times where somebody needed our help and nobody wanted to help but the same two or three people that have always done everything. It shouldn't be that way. If we put a need out there, if we say a brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so needs help packing some boxes on a Saturday, I know it's not convenient. Well, you know, I was planning on getting some extra rest. I was planning on cutting my grass that day. I was planning on planting a garden that day. I was planning on doing something with my family that day. Listen, I get all that. But do you hear when someone says your brother or your sister needs you to help them? Are you going to put your stuff on the back burner? Well, if I'm always doing that, how am I going to take care of me? This life is not about taking care of me. This life is about dying to yourself and giving your life away to God and your brothers and sisters in Christ. So are you willing to show up when it's hard? Are you willing to show up and do work when it's difficult? This is what real love looks like. Anything else is a fake love. See, people can talk about it, 
And I told y'all, don't get your theology from Bernie Mac. Don't get your theology from music, especially country music, because that just would depress you, singing about dead dogs and drunk, you know, wives that ran off. But that one country music song that says, let's get on down to the main attraction, that's a little less talk and a lot more what? Action. That's what Christianity needs. We need less talk and more action. Because churches ought to not have to beg people to show up on a work day. People ought to be like, hey, you need my help? I'm there. I, I heard a preacher say one time, a long time ago, it doesn't matter how many people show up in your church services because it's not about how many you can count. It's about how many you can count on. It's not about how many people you can count. It's about how many people you can count on. And we've had times when we were in a big building, Thousand Seat Sanctuary on Blanding, we would have five, 600 people show up on a Sunday. I don't know that we ever could have counted on more than the, the people that we were counting on before we got to that building or now that we're in this building. We've been counting on the same amount of people basically uh, for a long time. It's not about how many people show up. It's about do they show up when they're needed. Are you a show-up person? Are you the type of person that can be counted on? Are you the type of person that is going to give? Are you the type of person that is really willing to give up your life to show that you love your brother or sister? It's about action. Real love's about action. God didn't just say, I love y'all. If y'all figure it out, and if you get to heaven, if you find the way to heaven and sneak past the gate, I'll let you in. No, he, he, he did stuff to provide a way for us. He did hard work for us. Look at verse 17. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? There is so much in the Bible about money. If you ever start reading the Bible, you're going to just be blown away how much the Bible talks about money. And then you won't be one of those people that says, well, as a church, I always got to talk about money. And I hate to preach about money because I know if I say anything about money, somebody's going to have a friend. And I'm sensitive to when you bring your friends to church. I'm sensitive when you bring your family members to church, especially those who are unchurched, for them to not have to hear something that's going to make them leave and say, all your pastor did was talk about money. And that's why I don't talk about money a lot. But the Bible talks a lot about money. Why? Because it takes money to do ministry. It takes money to do ministry. It takes money to, to feed these kids in a community center five days a week. It takes money to keep this air conditioning running right now. It takes money to pay the rent here. It takes money to keep buying microphones and, and, and cords and cables that break down all the time. People get so jammed up. Why does the Bible talk so much about money? Because God knows people are selfish. Because God knows that the average person worships money more than they worship him. That's why he said, you got a choice. You can worship God or you can worship money. And that's where most people draw the line. Most people either worship their, their stuff or they worship God. And here's what God said. There's, there's proof. See, he's trying to narrow the window of what real love looks like. He's trying to not give such a broad path so everybody can say, oh, yeah, I love God too. Well, you love God, but you don't work for God. You don't give anything. You don't sacrifice anything. You never share anything with anybody else, but you think you really love God. No, that's not a real love. That's a fake love. And that's why God is showing us in 1 John three seventeen that there is a, a proof text to what real love looks like. If you really love God, you're going to love people. And if you love people, you're not going to be content sitting at your big house with money in your pocket knowing that somebody that you say you care about is hurting round the way and you don't do anything to help them. 
Now, this, this concept has burdened me through the years because there's a verse in the Bible that says, if anyone asks of you to turn them not away. Now, God has blessed me to have a little bit of money, and I thank God, and, and, and I'm so excited uh, about what it allows me to do. It allows me to be a blessing to other people because I believe God wants to bless you to be a blessing. If he can ever trust you with money to give money away, he's going to give you money so you can give it away. He's going to use you as a funnel for whatever you're willing to give away to people. And if you will funnel money into the hands of other people, God will trust you to be his funnel. And God has trusted me over the years to funnel money. And I, I thank God because it allows me to bless other people. But I have kind of been stuck in my mind a few times. I see verses like, if somebody asks you and you have it, you ought to give it to them. Well, I've typically got it. And I usually carry a substantial amount of money in my front left pocket just to help people out that need it. But a lot of people in this generation are on the scam. A lot of people are asking when they don't, I mean, they need it, but they're just conning you. And I thank God for other verses in the Scripture that tells me that I have to be faithful manager of the money that God has given me that I have to be a faithful steward over what God has trusted me with, that I can't take the precious things that God has given me and throw them before people who will just trample them and, and not count them as precious. Listen, I'm not saying that you need to take all your money and give it away to the next homeless person you see. Now, see, some people are homeless in this, in this culture by choice. And I, I, before I started this church, I worked entirely full-time with homeless people downtown Jacksonville. And I had so many people tell me, I used to be like you. I'm doing what I want to do. I used to have that big old set of keys. Look at them keys bulging in your pocket. I used to have a key ring. I used to have a house key, two car keys. I used to have office key. I had all that. I gave all that up. I'm my own man. I get up when I want to. I go to bed when I want to. I drink when I want to. I, I get high when I want to. You're a slave to the system. I'm doing what I want to do. And if you don't, if you don't believe me, you don't have to start a, a homeless ministry to figure it out. Watch next year when it gets cold. Watch the news next year when it gets cold and listen to, to the heart of compassionate people who are begging homeless people to come in. Do you realize there's a segment of homeless people that won't even go to the shelter on the coldest nights of the year when they could die being outside? Why? Because the shelter tells them what time to go to sleep. And I ain't trying to have that. I ain't turning no lights off on me and tell me what time I'm going. To, they would. Am I right, James? They would rather sleep in 20-degree weather in the rain, cold, then have somebody tell them, turn the lights off and shut up. See, so everybody's not homeless by disaster, but some people are. And you got to let God use wisdom to you to show who you can help and who's just trying to get over. But the real question is, are you helping anybody? Are you willing to help anybody? Is it okay for you to know? Um, where is Matthew's sign? That, that, that sign just on the right side of the, the, the first sign on the right side of the break right behind Kari's head, India. That's my good friend, Matthew Curvilla. I've been knowing Matthew for over 25 years. I can tell you this, Matthew Curvilla loves the Lord. Matthew has been in church with us. Matthew serves God. He is a humble man. Matthew is from India. He came to America and was educated in fine schools in America, and he, he made good money in America, but God put a burden in his heart to go back to his country and win his people to Christ. He left a, 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 a good job in America making good money to go back, and he walks every day in leper colonies in India. We don't even, I mean, I, I didn't even know there still were leper colonies until he told me that. I'm talking about places where just lepers live. And he goes and he prays for them, and he tells them Jesus loves them, and he feeds them and he cares for them. And every month we send Matthew money so he can continue. 
to love people that nobody else is reaching out to. Those flags represent friends of ours around the country, around the world, that are doing real ministry in orphanages and helping the hurting people. You know, how, how can we live in this country where the poorest people in our country would be rich in other countries? I tell you all all the time, listen, I, the poor people that we know, poor people still got a pack of cigarettes, still have their own lighter, got a lottery ticket in their pocket and a cell phone. That's not poor. That's not poor in other countries. They, they Food in their belly. That's not poor in other countries. In other countries, poor is when you haven't eaten in a week and you have no, op, no hope of eating in the next week. See, in America, we don't mostly know what poor is. My kids will tell you, uh, I, I, I don't like to hear my kids, and they very seldom say it because they know they're going to get a speech and they don't like all my speeches, so they know when to hush. But I don't like it to hear my kids say, Dad, I'm starving. No, then they got to get a speech. My, ne- my children have never been starving. I don't know that anybody in this room has ever been starving, but there are people that our friends are ministering to around the world that are starving, that are dying without food, and we've got food that we throw away because it expires. We, 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 we buy milk by the gallon, drink a little bit of it, toss it out, and go buy new milk. We throw away more food in America than it would take to feed the entire world. My kids know Seth says it all the time. If I can't make money, I'll just be homeless and eat out of dumpsters because there's good food. I already told my kids, look, you, you ever get home? If you don't have me to take care of you, you get homeless, you just go live behind McDonald's. They throw them burgers away wrapped up. I promise you, I'll go straight in a dumpster. If it's wrapped up, I'll unwrap it and eat that burger right now. If I didn't think they'd call the cops on me, that's where I'd go. I'd stop in there and get it without paying for it. Just straight, fresh out, Popeye's, fresh out the can. Listen, we throw away so much. Why? Because we don't understand what poverty is in America. Now, you might not have what the person sitting next to you has. You, you might not live in a nicer house that somebody else lives in. But there are people who are really hurting in life. And God says, you, if you're the kind of person that can just shut up your compassion to the hurting, you don't understand what real love is about. Do you even pray for people? I mean, do you even ask God to help people? I thank God that even though my children have, have grown up with never missing anything, and they've grown up spoiled, and they've, I mean, my kids have done so much, and I tell them, y'all just so spoiled. Y'all, y'all don't know how good that y'all have it. They've, they've flown around the world. They've been on planes. They've swam with dolphins. They've parasailed. They've just, they've, they've just done so much in their life that I never got to do as a child. Um, I let them know everybody doesn't get to live like this, but I thank God for the compassion that they have for people because we have stopped to minister to homeless people so much. My kids, uh, we look for certain people. We go to certain restaurants, and uh, we were riding by the Red Lobster the other day, and my kids asked about a guy we used to see up there that we used to always try to stop and give something to and wonder what's going on with him. Do you, do, do you care about anybody outside your family? Do you see anybody? I, everybody doesn't have money just to stop and hand out, and that's not always the answer because sometimes, you know, we're, we're facilitating people's addiction that way. But can you talk to somebody? Can you love somebody? Can you share a word of encouragement with somebody? we got to take love beyond just words and lip service, and we got to take love into an action. It's not always about handing people money. But God, God says, I don't believe love's in you if you don't ever give anything away to anybody. It doesn't have to be money, but it has to be something, time, love, compassion. That's what he's talking 
about. Look at verse 18. Dear children, this is the older apostle, John, talking to his church friends. See, he knew Jesus firsthand. And man, how awesome would it be to have John as your pastor? Oh, if you couldn't have Jesus, John would be the one. John was closer to Jesus than any human being on earth, any man. Closer to Jesus than any other man that ever lived in the natural on earth. He was the only man that was at the cross. He was the only one of Jesus' followers that was at the cross. John and a few women, Jesus' mother. John knew Jesus so close that people would sit at John's feet and he would teach them and he would tell them stories about Jesus. I hope you tell stories to your children. I hope you have family time. See, the Hebrew people understood storytelling, and they told it all the time. And their, their kids heard it all the time. This is where we crossed over the river. Those 12 stones are where we set up an altar. This is the God who brought us out. Us who, granddaddy, that was hundreds of years ago. No, but that's still our people, and that's still the journey. That's still the path that God took us through. And you need to be telling stories to your children. See, the Hebrew people understood how, how to keep their truth alive in the eyes of the next generation and john was trying to keep the truth alive in the eyes of the next generation and he said dear children listen you younger christians let's not merely say that we love each other semicolon so that's got that's got to stop we got to think about that let's not merely say that we love each other the very fact that god inspired him to write that means that it is possible to say that you love someone when you really don't now, if you've been living long enough, you probably had some people tell you they loved you and they didn't. You probably had some people tell you that they loved you when, when really their love wasn't pure, their love wasn't real, their love wasn't genuine. See, it's possible to talk about love without really loving somebody. It's possible to fool yourself into thinking that your love is real when really it's not. And that's why he continues to drive this point home. Let's just not say that we love each other. See, there's a love that talks, and then there's a love that gives. There's a love that talks, and then there's a love that works. There's a love that uses words, and then there's a love that uses action. Let's just don't talk about it. Let's just don't say that we love each other. And in the last phrase that I'm going to talk to you about tonight, he said, let us show the truth by our actions. So here we're still dealing with true love versus fake love. We're dealing with love versus not love. But he had to take it past, do you love or do you not love, because he knew that inside churches there was so much fake love. So he had to break it down to real love versus fake love. And here's the question. Are we showing that our love is true by the things that we do? Or are we hoping that people will believe that we love them just because we say it? I was talking to Jacob the other night, um, and he's lived long enough to see it now, and he's old enough to watch these things unfold. And I've told people, I've, I've cringed. Every time I've ever heard anybody say, Pastor Scott, I've, I've watched people stab you in the back and lie on you. I've watched you stand firm and, 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 and stand in your faith. Uh, when, when, when people that said that they were with you left, I'm, and they would make big claims. They'd say, I love you. I'm, I love this church. I got saved here. God, I ain't never going to leave this. Everybody else going to leave. I'm going to be the last man standing. I'm going to be here holding up the doors. When, when Jesus comes back, I'm, and, and, I, and my kids know, I, as soon as they leave, I look at my kids and say, that's the kiss of death. 
That's the Judas kiss right there. And they don't mean it to be, but almost every time somebody comes out with that bold, uh, I'm going to love you forever statement, they leave. Why? Because everybody's love's not real. Real love endures. Real love stays. Real love doesn't run out on hardship. Real love doesn't run out in adversity. Real love has proof. And that's what God is saying. Can you show proof of your love by your actions? I hope you can. I hope there's some action to prove that you love God. I don't understand why so many people are convinced that they're going to heaven. I really don't. I really don't. I mean, y'all, y'all heard Janet, if y'all could understand most of what she was saying when she was testifying, that it's those that endure to the end that are going to be saved. Y'all, y'all heard what Janet was saying. As many are called, but few are chosen. See, I don't understand how so many people are so convinced that they're going to go to heaven when they die, when the Bible tells me that the righteous are scarcely saved. The Bible says, and if the righteous are scarcely saved, where shall the sinner appear? Well, that's a rhetorical question. The sinner's going to appear in hell forever. The Bible says that the righteous are scarcely saved. Listen, I don't know who you deem righteous, okay? Peter and Paul, John, James, Jeremiah. Isaiah, if, 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 if whoever, Billy Graham, if, who, the righteous, if the righteous people, grandmama who loved God and stayed on her knees and was a church mother, if the righteous are scarcely saved, just barely, just by God's grace saved, what's going to happen to everybody else? I don't understand how so many people are so convinced. I have people come in my office and they'll tell me, I need help, Pastor. Finances, blah, blah, blah. I'm strung out on drugs, alcohol, pornography, illicit sex. I, I don't pray. I don't study. I don't read my Bible. Well, um, I'd like to talk to you about salvation. Oh, no, I'm saved, Pastor Scott. Oh, I know I'm saved. Fire baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, sanctified by Jesus, the blood of God. Hallelujah. And just start church talking me to death. And I'm thinking, the righteous are scarcely saved. You're way out all over here, and you're so convinced that you're saved, I can't even talk to you about the possibility that your problem might be you have deceived yourself. Oh, no, I know I'm saved. The righteous are scarcely saved. We got all these people living nothing that are just determined to believe that they are fully saved, and I don't get it. I don't get it. I get verses that say work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I get verses that say it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. I get verses that say we must all appear before the judgment seat of God. And I'm thinking, man, I'm falling on God's mercy. I'm crying out to God. Listen, if if you're not praying for God's mercy on your life every day, stop thinking you're saved. If you're not repenting constantly, stop thinking you're saved. If you're not asking God to forgive you for everything that you've done wrong in your life, stop thinking that you're saved. Listen, because saved folk know when they do wrong. And saved folk know they don't deserve to go to heaven. And saved folk know that they're only going to heaven by God's grace, and they're only scarcely going anyhow. Saved folk have the Holy Spirit living inside them, and the Bible says that God sent the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. Saved folk know that this this is a scary deal at best. And, and we're holding on to God with, with humble gratitude. Now, I want you to be fully convinced in your salvation, if you have it. But we, we need to have some true love. We need to have some proof to our love. So here's my question to you tonight. 
Do you show that your love is true for God by your actions? I think, at least for, you know, the people who came tonight of their own free will, there's some proof text there. You came to church. That doesn't necessarily mean that you love the Lord. There's different reasons to come to church. But if you came to church because you love the Lord, you can say, that's why I'm here, Pastor, to show my love for God. When, when we sing, do you open your mouth and sing? That's showing your love to God. Do you have a Bible? If you have a Bible, do you ever read it? If you don't have a Bible, go online. You, there, there are hundreds of them for free. If you want a Bible and you can't afford one, see the church, we'll get you one. But is there any proof to your lip service of love for God? Do you say your prayers? Do you read your Bible? Do you even try to make good choices? That's unto God. What about unto people? I know that if I make any request of the church, if I need help, if I need somebody to move a a room from upstairs to downstairs, if I need somebody to clear out a part of a field, if I need somebody to go to the warehouse, we got warehouses all over. We've been stacking up stuff for a long time. We're about to get rid of them. But I know that if I called on a mass appeal, we need somebody to come help do this stuff, I can tell you at least five people that are going to show up. I can tell you five people. They're going to show up hell or high water. They're going to show up. If they, if they got to move everything in life, they're going to show up. Why? Because their love is just that real. Doesn't mean they don't have anything going on in life. Doesn't mean that they didn't have to sacrifice and, and redo some stuff. It meant that they, their, their love is so real that they show up. There's proof in it. And that's not just work day where you show your love for God but there's got to be some work in your love for God. There's got to be some proof text in your love for God and in your love for people. See, here's the deal. The devil wants us to hate each other, and that's why there's always been wars and rumors of wars. The devil wants us to hate each other, and that's why there's so much racial tension in the world. See, racism's not just an American thing. There's racism all around the world. There's racism in countries where, of people that look just alike. I mean, you can't walk through certain parts of Europe and tell who's who. You can't look in, at somebody and know if they're a Serb or a Croat, but you talk to them, you know they hate each other and they want to kill each other. And they look exactly alike and live in the exact same city. They just have a different theological belief and they want to kill each other over it. Racism's not just for America. Why? Why do people hate each other over skin color? Why do people hate each other over, over denominational differences? Because the devil wants it that way. The devil wants us to hate each other. The devil wants to divide us. The devil wants to tear us apart. Why do people get so fired up about politics when they really don't even know nothing about politics. I'm, I'm so tired of people blowing up all these, oh, I just love this guy. I love this girl. Really? What can you tell me about him? You know where they graduated from college? You know where they went to high school? You know what their mama's name is? No, you don't. What's Hillary Clinton's mama's name? Anybody. Anybody. What's Donald Trump's mama's name? What's Donald Trump's daddy's name? Anybody. Nobody knows this stuff. We don't know these people like that. But we act like they're so important to us. Lord knows nobody knows what uh, Ted Cruz's mama. 
They're not even from America. They're from Canada. Well, I think his mother's from America and his daddy's from Canada, something. I don't know. But see, I, we act like these people are so important to us, and we don't know them at all. They don't come to church with us. God didn't put us with them. God put us with us. Do you know anybody's name in this room? See, I don't, I don't think it's important that we know Donald Trump's daddy's name. But you ought to know the name of the people you sit around every week. See, love is action. Love takes effort. Love gives beyond its comfort level. And that's what we need to do for each other. We need to love each other. 1 John 3.16 says, in, in the King James it says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, that he laid down his life for us. Even so, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So I, I got the King James stuck in my head. We understand the love of God because he died for, he laid his life down for us. We ought to lay our lives down for the brethren. We don't even know each other. You need to get to know the body of Christ because love is not just a word. And if love is only in word, then it's not real. It's fake, and it doesn't honor God. We need to know each other. We need to love each other. We need to know God. We need to love God. That's the answer for the world, not who wins the presidency, not what happens to the stock market, not what happens to the real estate market. We need to love God and we need to love each other. And it cannot just be about words. We need to show that our love is true by our actions. I want you to try to find a way this week to show that your love is true by your actions. Everybody in this room should love mama and daddy. Even if you're not close to mom and daddy right now, even, even if, you know, time has, has caused distance, you ought not to have to wait till Mother's Day to call mama. You shouldn't have to wait till a holiday to call dad and let them know you love them. Every child should love and honor their mother and father. It's the first commandment we'll promise. You ought to pick up your phone one day this week and call mom and dad if you still have them. Tell them you love them. Start showing your love for people. Tell people you love them. Do something nice for somebody. Stop putting you first. Start putting other people first. If you put Jesus first, then you put others first. That's a silly acronym. Y'all probably seen it. Spell out the word joy. Jesus, others, yourself. If you let that be the way you approach life, put Jesus first, then others second, and yourself third, you will have joy. J-O-Y, Jesus, others, and then yourself. The reason so many people are so miserable is because they're trying to put themselves first, and that's never the plan. That's not what real love looks like. Real love puts others first. Jesus put us first, and he tells us now to put him first. Put God first and then put others ahead of yourself, and you'll find out that your life will have so much greater meaning. Go out this week. Prove your love for God by your actions. Prove your love for people by your actions, and watch God give you something to testify about in the near future. Let's pray. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for giving and showing your love to us in a very real way. 
Help us to give and show our love for you and for each other in real ways as well. We love you, God. We thank you so much for this church, for bringing us together as a church family, God. Help us to grow together in our unity and help us to grow together in our love. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate the opportunity to pour into your lives each week. For more information or to donate to Abundant Life's ministry, please check out our website at www.alcfnow.org.